Hey, everybody. Welcome to season two of True Crime IRL. True crime in real life. This is a new limited series called The Manchester Mysteries. You'll still be getting real-life stories of crime and unsolved cases, but all wrapped up in a very different package. This season, I'm concentrating on the captivating stories that have come out of one particular small Midwestern town called Manchester. Manchester is both weird and wonderful, with a full cast of interesting characters who have some unique stories to tell. I'll be presenting you with tales of murder, mayhem, and crimes of passion. And I'll be bringing you everything from missing persons cases to questionable suicides, and even a homicide that went unsolved for 40 years. There'll be an element of local folklore to some of our tales, but also a healthy dose of science, DNA technology, forensics, history, government, law, and so much more. And yes, it's all out of one little community in small-town America. If you think you had our country's heartland all figured out, well, guess again, because I'll be bringing you stories this season that would make Ted Bundy blush. Season 2 of True Crime IRL, The Manchester Mysteries, debuts January 14th, 2022, and is available everywhere you get your podcasts. Until then, lock your doors, people, even if, or... Especially if you live in Manchester. Bye-bye. Welcome to True Crime IRL. True crime in real life. I'm your host, Kelly Barron's Brink. Hey everyone, it's Kelly from True Crime IRL. Welcome to the end of season two. This is basically our finale for season two, The Manchester Mysteries. And for this episode, I got together several of my friends who are Manchester natives, and we met up at Franklin Street Brewing Company in Manchester, Iowa, where we shared some great beers and some good stories about some stuff that's gone on right here in our community. And it was really eye-opening and really fun to chat with people, you know, who are from this area and had things to say about the stuff that's gone on in Manchester. You know, it's like this safe little bubble, but a lot of crazy stuff has gone down. So without further ado, let's go to that convo right now and enjoy this conversation. And season two is wrapping up, but I've got really good things in store in the very near future. So stay tuned for that. What are you doing on Saturday, April 16th? Nothing? Something? Cancel your plans and come hang out with Captain from True Crime Garage, Bob Ruff from Truth and Justice, and me, Kelly from True Crime IRL. That's right, Saturday, April 16th, doors open at 7 p.m., show is at 7.30. We're going to be live at the Wealthy Theater in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You're not going to want to miss this unique and one-of-a-kind event. We always have a phenomenal time at these live shows, and we're going to be doing a meet and greet afterwards. You're really not going to want to miss it. So again, that's Saturday, April 16th in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the Wealthy Theater. You can buy tickets at CaptainFatHands.com slash events, or you can go to True Crime IRL for more info as well. But again, buy tickets at CaptainFatHands.com slash events. Until next time, lock your doors, people. Bye-bye. So let's introduce ourselves first. Chris, you were in the first episode of season two, so yes, welcome I was. back. Thank you, you for having you're, me. You, we recharged your robot battery in episode <laughs> two, but you've been MIA since then, that so welcome back. That sounds creepy. I know, right? <laughs> yes. But, so welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to be a bigger part of season two, but that didn't end up happening, but that's okay. At any rate, I'm going to try to talk in more than one tone. 
Yes. Good. Okay. And then we've got Kevin and Joe. Kevin Ostrander and Joe Hegland. Yes. Welcome. Um, In the podcast, we've done, I've put a few of them on the podcast. You guys do the live shows with me. You try? Yeah. So this will be like your first. I'm not sure you can count as us doing them or just being there. Well, you're there. You're there. Crime is happening and being talked about. Right. And and then. um, We read things. And then we've got Salsa La Rosa. Welcome. Allison. <laughs> oh, come on. She's quiet, but I know you'll talk a little bit after the beer. <laughs> well played. Well played. We're, we're doing this from Franklin Street Brewing Company tonight. I am drinking their raspberry sour. What are you drinking, Chris? I've got a fuzzy side down. Fuzzy side down. That's like a citrus. What are you drinking? Um, I have the Bell Ringer Maybach. Oh, okay. Same here. Yeah. What is that? Like an amber bock? Or... Uh, it's, it's a Maybach. It's a German. Uh, oh, it's its own. It's thing. a German beer that usually was released to celebrate the coming of spring. Ah, cool. And it has uh, certain malts in it. Never mind. Go ahead. What are you drinking, Allison? Is that a stout? Burlington Brown. Burlington Brown. Yes. Not Burlington. 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 Okay, so the five of us live in Manchester. In this season, I covered. The Michelle Martinko murder and Jerry Burns' role in that. Um, I talked about Isaiah Sweet, how he murdered his grandparents. I talked a little bit about the corn rake murder right outside of Manchester. And a lot of other things have happened. So what is your take on, do you guys have any comments or just, like, what do you think about Jerry Burns and the Michelle Martinko murder. Like, do you remember when that news came out that he's the one who did it and stuff? I like, did. yeah. What What were you think? Were you um, in disbelief? Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I, I knew of him, but I didn't know him. Um, to think that somebody from Little Old Manchester can be involved in something as gruesome as that was. Yeah. And it was all solved by science and DNA. I yeah. think that was really pretty cool. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I think that's what was so crazy about it yeah. was just, you know, like a 23 and me mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. helped mm-hmm. helped pull that together. Yeah. To do that and I I think of that case just cuz my mom always said she always talked about it because she had moved to Cedar Rapids was right around the time when that happened, same age as her and everything and then that happened right around the area where they lived and so it was just like you know, that yeah. could have been me kind of thing. I know. I yeah. just have a really hard time wrapping my head around that gruesome of a murder and how much blood had to be in that car. And then DNA from one person was pulled out of that, held on to for 30 years, yep. however long ago Almost it was. 40, Almost 40 yeah. years now. And then able to circle back and find this person. Yeah. I mean, it just blows my mind. Yeah. They, there was really a lot of forethought. Because DNA, like, wasn't even a thing in 1979. And they held on to those scrapings off the gear shifter. And they held on to the dress and everything for 40 years almost. Even through a flood, the Cedar Rapids, Mm -hmm. the big flood. And they just, it was like, they just knew someday that something could come of that. And it did. That was crazy. And watching the trial, that's where they tried to throw that chink in the armor was that the evidence... The, 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 the security of the evidence wasn't right. kept right. because of this, the flood. And yeah, the, moving the because of that. And, and they tried to talk about the chain of evidence mm-hmm. was, you know, flawed, but it wasn't. The right. prosecutor, prosecutor, like, proved that it was all right. All they kept, they kept the records. Yeah, yeah. Also weird to just think, I mean, because not that he would have been connected in any other way, but yeah. what are the ways that this would have gotten screwed up? Yeah. And it just happened that so many screw ups aligned to the fact that it is his DNA. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. it was something else, and then it got yeah, like yeah, that it reached that point. Yeah, it was crazy, and the, like you, if you need to go get the food now, do you think it's done? But like, not, I can't sit here. We can't sit here and eat it and talk anyway. So I know. So that would be a totally different podcast, more ASMR, yeah, kind ASMR, of thing. Right. and just sitting there with like eating chicken wings and stuff, like just right in the mic. Yes. <laughs> so, um, do you remember when Brian Burns, his cousin, went missing? Was that talked about a lot during the time, I, or do you remember Brian went missing before he was? Yes, he yes. was 
found to be the person, but there's some other weird things like his first wife. I know his first wife. Yep. Committed so suicide. There's just, some, there's just some weird things that mm-hmm. kind of go along with this guy in general. And the fact that his cousin is gone, but I know his cousin had some, um, maybe some disabilities of some sort. Well, yes, that's what the news has reported, but the local community just says he wasn't disabled he didn't have anything like that he just was an alcoholic and drank all day every day Mm -hmm. i kind of thing so maybe he came across as that i don't know there has to be some kind of thought i mean there's people other than me that think that maybe some of this is all connected in some way i know but i I don't yeah we we don't have any way to know i think something will come up soon with the brian burns disappearance they declared him dead in 2021 his brother i think was the one behind that wanting to get him declared dead after eight years i think he's been missing but there are too many coincidences about that and the day he went missing was the anniversary of michelle martinko's death it was december 19th so who knows if he was going to go you know i can't live with myself and he knew something yeah i don't want to live with myself anymore and maybe the threat of his cousin Mm -hmm. possibly going yeah you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty, but right. like at the time, none of this seemed connected. We didn't know Jerry Burns was a convicted murderer either. And I, in my head, I'm like, I wonder if his DNA will match any other unsolved cases in the future. You, you do know? wonder that, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I do. You know, there's, I do. there's other unsolved murders in the state of Iowa. Yeah. Who knows? And I mean, it was so weird when he brought up Jody Hughes and True in his interview. He was like. They were talking about, do you remember the the murder of Michelle Martinko at the mall in 1979? He was like, well, I mean, I've heard about it in the news, but, uh, you know, I know about Jody Hughes-Intrude, just out of the blue. And I was like, and that had a lot of people wondering if he had something to do with that. I don't think like he a, did. Like a Freudian slip yeah, kind of thing, or me, what? Or, like, maybe it was just on his mind. I don't yeah. know. I would love to talk to, like, someone in the family or something, but I just can't really bring myself. because if we were maybe a little farther separated from it. yeah, but we're um, right in the same town, so I'm not going to go there. Yeah, hornet's nests are not fun to stir up. Don't kick them. No. Mm -mm. So, yeah. And did any of you know his wife at all? Patricia? No. I didn't even know he was married. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, that whole thing, self-inflicted gunshot wound to the chest, I believe. With what kind of a firearm? A shotgun. Okay. Yeah, that's sh- all. We're all sitting here <laughs> holding our arms out. We're like... Trying to... So they're... Yeah, she would have to have... My toe, maybe? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I'm not... That would be a possibility, I suppose. Could you? If you were a uh, yeah, Russian I gymnast? Yeah, I mean... I'm not a Russian gymnast. For one thing, women who commit suicide, that's yes. a rare thing. Right. For, first of all, that's rare in, in and of itself. Secondly, by oh, firearm. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah, when women commit suicide, it's not normally by such a brutal no, method. No. Yeah. It's more of a... Firearms are just not the way they do it usually. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that is a big red flag. Yeah. I mean... And then knowing what we know now. Uh, yeah, it all... It, yeah. It's kind of a little bit of a weird arithmetic there, but it does add up. Yeah. I, I picture men doing it more in a fit of rage or yeah. a fit of anger or stress or sure. whatever. And, sure. Um, I, I, yeah, I just don't see women in the same way, I guess. No. I mean, it can definitely happen. And yeah. I've seen um, it, but, not, you know, it doesn't mean, right. you know. And there was one thing that I had read at one point when I was in school, and it was something about how the success rate of suicide is higher in men than it is in women oh. when they're doing it but it's because men more violent yeah, means men men lose use more violent means women mm-hmm. use more like not so like violent, an overdose like a, or yeah like an overdose and so a lot of times if they get caught yeah in that time they're able they to be saved, saved and they right. can come out of it but uh yeah yeah and you know jerry he's the one who found her He's the one who found her, her dead. He's the one who called 911. Right. He's the one on the 911 report. I have one of the police officers gave me. I have that. And I don't have the tape, but I'm like, geez, it's just weird. Now, one of her coworkers said she did battle some mental health issues. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. So I do remember, um, now that we're talking about it, um, the night 
that the announcement came that he was the suspect now because of the DNA match. Um, myself and a couple other people were here at the brewery. Oh. And it was, if I can remember correctly, it was kind of a lousy night of weather. Mm-hmm. We're up here, I don't know what we were doing, listening to music or drinking beer or whatever. Yeah. Not brewing? Really? I know, really odd. Who does that? Um, but there's this guy that came walking through the door. He had a nice uh, kind of suit jacket, trench coat oh. kind of thing on with a scarf around his neck. A reporter. <laughs> right. And we're sitting up here at the bar. Yep. And he comes walking in and he kind of weasels in between us and he's like, hey, how's it going? Franklin Street, never been here. He's like, what kind of beer would you recommend? And we're like, well, you know, you should have this. By the way, do yeah. any of you guys know uh, anything about this Jerry Burns stuff that's going oh. on? Oh, my gosh. We're like, well, you know, we've heard. And he's like, well, I'm so-and-so from KCRG. And I'm mm. like, I knew I knew the guy. So, yeah, Sneaky. He, he was trying to get some information. He was. Out, he and was. And we were very, like, we didn't know anything that was really going on at yeah. that point. So everybody was pretty tight-lipped about mm-hmm. some stuff. So I don't know if anything ever made it on the news or not, but yeah, we were pretty tight-lipped. Because we didn't know at that point. Right. Might have to go to the microfish at the library or something. <laughs> <laughs> also, <laughs> it's online now, though, right? Yeah, it's all online. We don't have we don't have a machine anymore. Dang, <laughs> those things were great. So yeah, I just feel like it's too many crazy coincidences to come out of one man's life. You know, like. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of stuff to happen, and I don't know. You're, you're either very unlucky, or you've... Played a part in yeah. all of the things. Right. Yeah. It could be all very random stuff, yeah. other than yeah. the murder. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. So there's the, that. What about um, the corn rape murder? Uh, Before we move oh, yeah. on from that, yeah, yeah. so you talked to the lady who... Also oh, matched right. the DNA. Yes. And Brandy Jennings in Washington. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's the distant relative who did the, you know, 23andMe. Her, she was actually looking for a biological parent or somebody like that that she never knew because I think she, I can't remember the exact story, but I think she had been adopted or something. So she was looking for her family. And she uploaded her DNA results to GEDmatch, which is usually used in criminal cases and stuff. Um, but also it's used for people f- trying to find family members and things like that. Sure. And she did that and didn't really get what she was looking for totally. But her DNA was there on record. And so when police were looking into a match for the DNA that they had on file. It matched. Yeah, it matched hers as a distant relative, like very distant. They had never met each other. They didn't know each other. She didn't have a clue. She even like really had family in Iowa, really, but it ended up matching. And Mm -hmm. so they then traced back her family tree all the way back to all the Family members, all the branches, and yep. to the brothers in Iowa, and then tried to find out who's living around the area at the time mm-hmm. that match potentially par- partial uh, DNA match or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it would have been crazy that day in Pizza Ranch when they were sitting there eating and uh, with two cops sitting there, and and uh, one like you're sitting there as just a customer, and you're just sitting there thinking everyone's just having their normal lunch, and one guy gets up and. Two cops just come in, swing in, and grab cups off the table. Mm-hmm. Like, that would yeah. be kind of... In the bag, sealed? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Wondering what the heck's going on there. Yep. 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 Is so that what, how that went down, basically? I yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, they... And if anyone was there, that there wasn't been some word that would have got out at some point saying, hey, by the way... And that was one <laughs> thing the defense team talked about. Uh, they were like... This was an invasion of privacy. They violated my constitutional rights by taking my straw. But in cases over and over again, it's once you throw something away, it's public domain. Like you could, it, it, oh, there is sure. no violation yeah. of rights there. Gotcha. Like it's been done a million times. Trash is now. It's a little bit different if a police officer like takes somebody's trash from their curb or something. They're 
residence, their residential trash, but like somewhere in a public place. I would say by that point, it's probably pizza ranches. I didn't know that. That's really weird. (laughs) (laughs) Wipe your glasses down. Don't leave any straws behind. This episode is not sponsored by Pizza Ranch. No, it is not. Sorry, I didn't mean to cause it. I was going to ask you. What do you think the legalities are going to be down the road? As more and more cases come out, they're being matched through like genealogy. Do you ever think there's going to be a case where somebody's like, well, this is an invasion of my privacy. I didn't want to be matched to this person on Ancestry.com or whatever. I mean, yeah. I mean, do you think I, I could see a Supreme Court case coming? Down I the road think on that this. I swear I've heard of some things in the news about that. Like it's a violation of people's rights and privacy and stuff like that. I think, I mean, I'm sure people will do that. I definitely think that'll be a thing, but I don't think anyone's going to win that battle, really. No. I mean, I mean, I, cause I look at, you know, giving my, I did 23andMe cause it's yeah. interesting. It's yeah. neat. Yeah. But to think that that's somehow somewhat public record that does now after the fact that kind of disturbs me like somebody could go in and be like yeah I need this DNA from so and so that kind of disturbs me like I I think if I'm giving my DNA for information to a company that should be secure just like any other information I give to a company and I I think if I remember right like I did Ancestry.com and I think when you send it in you sign saying that you know, I'm giving my genetic mm-hmm. information over to Ancestry to not only track my genealogy, but to do with what they want, right. basically. Right, right. Oh, that reminds me of the BTK case, I think it is. There was a DNA issue on that. I should look it up on my phone and make sure I'm right. But um, here's what happened. I think they were trying to get, I think it was BTK. They were trying to get, like, a DNA match off of something, and they used his daughter's sample from, like, the gynecologist's office, um, like a test, uh, like a pap smear or something like that that she had done, and she tried to say, like, that was an invasion of privacy or something like that. I recall that, I think that was BTK. I'm pretty sure that was BTK. So, I mean, I'm all for whatever you can do to solve these unsolved crimes. Sure. Luckily, I'm not a murderer. Right, I mean... But... That we know about. I mean, Wouldn't that be the total backstory yeah. for somebody? <laughs> oh, yes. That's that's like a, it's like an evil supervillain. Yeah, like yeah. a murderer just com- always explaining. Yeah. If I mysteriously move away... <laughs> Whatever happened to Chris? Yeah. Well, you know, that would really busy. That would be like my worst nightmare if you died unexpectedly or something like I would get uh, blamed for right because the women are always blamed in murders yeah. well every it's time. always the spouse the girlfriend the relative what? something like that um, so look at Dexter yeah. you know Dexter yeah serial murder but he's so damn hot Dexter yes so I've that, been so in then love it's with okay. him for a long yeah, time. So yeah, I mean, a, as long as the criminals are hot. Then... He, only, he only kills bad Ted guys, Ted Bundy, right? right? Oh, yeah. I don't know. You don't know? He I didn't find know. him attractive? I, he's, I think he was attractive. Okay. Okay. So, so far we've learned Chris goes <laughs> missing unexpectedly. Mm. Yes. So we've got that on record. Because, yeah, on you know, file. they're going to they're gonna take my phone, my tablet, my computer. They're going to see all the messed up searches I've done on murder and, spe- like, just all this stuff. And, yeah, I'm screwed. So please yeah. just don't die. It, it, it's, it's partially a good backstory, but also yeah. kind of... Uh, it make a great... It's good evidence, yes. too. It'd make a great podcast episode. Yeah. This is Kelly from jail. <laughs> Hi, this is Kelly from True Crime IRL, and it's real, real, because I'm in prison now. So I don't know if they get, would they let you have podcasting equipment in there? No. I didn't think so. Because anything could be made into a shank. And that's a good segue into the next topic that a murder that happened in Manchester. Also, I went on Sunday to visit Isaiah Sweet, who was from Manchester, not originally, but 
from Manchester. And no, you can't bring podcasting equipment into prison. Unfortunately, because I would have loved to interview him with a microphone. I couldn't do that. Could that even your phone? No, not could, my could phone. Could you try to bake it into a cake like well, I've seen in some that, movies? That's a great idea. Yes. <laughs> Speak directly into the second layer. Here, eat this bite of cake and talk loudly. The second P in happy birthday. <laughs> no, a little to the right. Closer to the Y. Isaiah Sweet was a teenager. He was in, well, actually, he was a high school dropout, but he murdered his legal guardians at age 17. They lived in Manchester, and he was convicted. Actually, there was no trial because his lawyer at the time had him plead guilty. So he pleaded guilty to double murder of both his grandma and grandpa, and... uh, it really that it wasn't much of a plea because it did him no favors because he got sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole in that i don't see how that's a good plea deal but it just made him so he served his sentences concurrently rather than back to back i guess um but if you're serving life without parole concurrently it's still life Life without without parole parole, so but like salsa la rosa was saying (laughs) Allison, what what were you saying? So he had gotten life without the possibility of yes. parole, and I had read the book Just Mercy about yes. by Brian Stevens. I have to read that book. And he, um, I just looked it up. He filed the case Miller versus Alabama. Yes, that's the one. And that was in 2011. So that was a couple years after he was. He was. Is that just one year, or how long? That's was that? the year he did it. <clears throat> 2011 okay. and, and because he didn't have a trial probably it yeah. went fast and so i think his sentencing was in 2012 i'm pretty okay. sure um but yeah miller versus alabama it was it set a precedent yeah with in iowa that so anybody in the united anybody in the united states now that was under the age of 18 if they were to commit a crime that would as an adult um give you life without parole you don't they don't they weren't allowed to give that sentence to minors yeah anymore anymore yes. that, and yep. so it happened to be a 14 year old um that this was based off of and wow. um and he was older then by then he was older you know but uh mm-hmm. he was an adult by then but he was tried as an adult mm-hmm. and so that is where that came from and i remember when that came down that they had to change his sentencing because he at first had the life yeah. without parole. And I remember that being a news story here, right here in Iowa, saying now that this Supreme Court case went through, now Isaiah Sweet no longer can have the the without parole part. Right. And, that's, and they took that. Yeah. That was a huge deal it was for a huge deal. Iowa. I am glad that that happened. I don't think a minor should ever get life without the possibility of parole because i don't know in that case they did not take his history into account at all and i learned a lot more about his history on that prison visit sunday i mean he was just abused in every possible way he could have been abused starting as a baby um but like his first memory of it was at four years old his mom she was a drug addict at the time. They were living in Pennsylvania, and she had a lot of boyfriends, he said, that would, and a lot of men in and out of the house all the time. And one time she left with one man to go get drugs or something like that, and she left Isaiah with a man that she had been dating, quote-unquote dating, whatever. You want another one? Yeah. <laughs> it's all getting edited, so yeah, yeah. Get you another round. Lucas is super awesome. Yeah, I'll take it. Fuzzy, yeah. I'm okay. Right I now. only have two I'm hands. Okay so that's yes, but that else. that boyfriend then mm-hmm. raped him at four years old. Mm-hmm. Raped, him. and he talked about a lot of different kinds of abuse, but this particular one he called it rape. So I'm assuming. It was a brutal sexual 
abuse. So that's where it started. And then his mom got her parental parental rights terminated and he went into the foster system and they were looking for a family, like a relative who could take him. And then Stacy is Isaiah's mom. Stacy's dad and stepmother, Richard and Janet Sweet, said, we will take him. And Stacy like begged DHS not to send him there specifically. She was like, give him foster parents, send him anywhere, send him to strangers, but do not send him to Richard and Janet. And of course, she's a drug addict with a history of crime and things like that. So they didn't listen to anything she said. But the reason was because her dad molested her and abused her her whole life, too. So Mm. that's it was like a cycle. And I'm taking this straight from Stacy and Isaiah's story. Their stories match up. I've talked to them both separately. They had the same story. So, you know, this is not something I know for a fact, but it's what it's their story. So So how how do you approach something like that? Going to talk to mom or to Isaiah? I mean, how do you how do you reach out to somebody and go, hey, by the way? So I covered the Isaiah Sweet story in an episode and then and I had never I didn't know anything personal about them Um, but I decided I wanted to get his story so I wrote to him I sent him an email in prison and he wrote me back right away and he had a friend on the outside a gal um, who he's friends with who contacted me then too and she you know would relay messages to me a little bit and stuff and she knew Isaiah's mom even though all this stuff happened and she, his, the mom was like absent they they still talk and stuff and you know she's never been to visit him the entire time she isn't a great mom by any means but um you know, she wanted to tell me her story, so she asked to talk to me, and I and I recorded it and everything. It's in an episode too. I don't remember which episode, but yeah. So, do you feel like she wanted to tell her story to defend herself or to help Isaiah? Yeah, that's a tough one because um, she doesn't take full responsibility for everything. Um, she's, I think, a little bit in denial and stuff. She does talk about. Richard and Janet being abusive, she does say, I wasn't ready to be a mom. I wasn't a good mom. But she doesn't, like, come right out and give, like, the gritty details. I still, I think she just doesn't really want to own up to some of it. And Isaiah's got a lot of anger towards her still because, and I would too, because she's never really taken full responsibility for her role in things, kind of. But, um, yeah, so the abuse started... As soon as Isaiah moved in with Richard and Janet Sweet, um, Isaiah told me that the grandpa Richard molested him. It was he said, no, it wasn't like full on, you know. So he said Richard would touch him and he would make Isaiah touch him. It was touching and things like that. Well, that's still sexual abuse, and that will really mess a kid up. So the whole time, like when Isaiah was young, that was going on. Um, and then Richard and Janet were, he was a known alcoholic, um, kind of drug abuser because he would, he was addicted to pain medication and had a lot of injuries and would take too much or, you know, just always kind of drunk or high kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just, and very physically abusive, mentally abusive, a lot of yelling and stuff. So, you know, that's kind of how it ended up escalating to the point it did where he finally he was like it's them or me i want to get out of this hell like uh, and then he he killed them well and his grandpa threatened to kill his dog so that is another thing when isaiah was just a kid richard sweet was drunk one night isaiah was little loved his dog more than anything so richard took the dog outside got his gun and was going to kill the dog in front of isaiah um just there were so many things like this that happened isaiah 
freaked out. He jumped on top of the dog and held it and would not get off. He was like, you're going to have to shoot me. You're not killing my dog. And just so much trauma. So he had this terrible life from the time he was born. And he had an older sister, too. Um, His mom gave her up for adoption before Isaiah was born. Then lost Isaiah as well. He had a brother and a twin brother, two twin brothers, and one of them died. So it's just been a lot, just a lot. And uh, I, I don't remember some of that coming out. That never came out because Isaiah's lawyer, first of all, it never went to trial. Oh, but because his, of the plea. Because of the plea. Okay. And he was a kid. He did not know how the legal system worked. He didn't know what to do. He followed the advice of his lawyer. And his lawyer said, none of this is coming out because we are not going to speak ill of the dead. That is what he said to Isaiah and Isaiah's mom. He said, we're not bringing any of this because it'll make us look bad or something. We don't speak ill of the dead. I think he, that was a travesty. Like, I've talked to a lot of Because you would think that would be your big defense. Exactly. Right. Like, you're you're caught, you're motive. Exactly, exactly. I feel like if the lawyer had taken a different route in that, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but... I've talked about the case to other lawyers, and they are all like, no, that would all come in, and we would have gone to trial, and we would have fought for him to not get life in prison. And I think he wouldn't have gotten life. Yeah, something like that. Or even just, I don't know, but I just think... That so doesn't that thing. raise some question marks though? Like, I mean, maybe, maybe his story has supposed it. Like, what? I mean, granted, some people get caught up in their profession. They're just like, you know what? Just push some paperwork and be yep. done with it. Yeah. But when a kid and somebody that knows the history of this and a kid's life is in your hands for how this is going to play out, like, did he sell it? Like, well, they'll go lenient on you if you just plead but knowing full well that that you may not you may get prison without possibly a parole I mean how can you sell that and live with yourself I don't know you mean holes in Isaiah's story well there could be holes in Isaiah's story or I mean that lawyer is just morally corrupt like how can you not do your job enough to how you not care? I just think he didn't care. And everybody just absolutely hated Isaiah after this happened. Right. I mean, he was treated as a total monster. And, like, like he just killed them because for no reason. Like, he just hated them and wanted to kill them. Uh, drug fuel, yes. whatever. And, and that was a thing. He was on dr- I mean, the kid was on everything. He was on drugs and stuff. He wasn't thinking well. He used drugs to escape, you know? And I just, um, yeah, I don't know. There could be holes in his story. He could be totally manipulating me or lying to me. I just don't think that he is. I mean... Like, on one hand, I could see some old-school, like, 65-year-old guy that's got his own conservative, like, we don't speak ill of the dead. But on the other hand, like, I, I also can't really picture a lawyer saying that. So, I could picture a lawyer around here saying it with how maybe, yeah. knowing how some people in our community are and yeah, I mean he brutally murdered his grandparents like I don't know. If it did it if it would have gone to trial, mm-hmm. it probably would have never been here. It would have been It moved. was in Dubuque County. They it, moved D- it. D- yeah. yeah. Okay. Not far, but no, yeah. Not far enough. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not far enough. Yeah. So they even had a like a psychologist come talk and testify. I don't know. There was like a hearing or something that Isaiah was functioning at a 12-year-old level, socially, developmentally and stuff, and had a lot of issues. He had PTSD, ADHD, just um, depression, anxiety, sure. all sure. of these things. Who wouldn't? Yeah, but like I feel like. That's another reason it should have gone to trial. Like, you can find all of those notes online about that, but it just, I just feel like they should have took, taken it to trial. So, but I yeah. Don't, I don't know anything about being a public defender. I don't know what all that, is. I mean, is, I mean, if you're a public defender, do you automatically just not care about the outcomes of things? I mean, you see stuff like that on TV and stuff, but yeah. I mean, 
Uh, no, I think you do care. Should yeah. or he shouldn't be a public defender. Right. And right. I, I think most most criminal defense attorneys that I know, and I know a few that are really good, they look at stuff like this as a challenge that they want to take on. They want to, you know, what do you have to lose if you're getting life in prison anyway? Mm-hmm. What do you have to lose? Right. Yeah. Take it to you, trial. You know, you know what's going to be on the table. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it, it's going to be, you've already got the worst. Exactly. You, you've like if, if you you already know this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So what could you do? To, right. Uh, right. And Iowa doesn't have the death penalty, so I say they should have just gone for it. But right. and if you're a public defender and you win, then hey, notch or my belt, and you know, yeah, what, right. What does this bring you in clientele going forward? Right. Right. People in far less situations have gotten clemency, have gotten parole. I mean. I know he did a terrible thing, but he was a minor. And look at his history. I'm working on a clemency project for him right now. I've taken it to a bunch of attorneys who do clemency programs and families for the uh, families against Mac or minimum. I can't remember. It's F A M M. I can't remember the acronym, but I'll. It's on my website. I'm working on that stuff. So anyway, I hope. Salsa's on it. Salsa's on Salsa. it. Salsa. <laughs> I just hope. I just, you know. That kind of came out like we just spilled salsa, salsa. like out on the table. Salsa's going to. Uh, yeah. I got the <laughs> chips. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> what? <laughs> but that's what I'm working on. So Very I, good for yeah, you. Yeah, and I, I visited him. It went really well. I, my heart okay. goes out to him. And yeah. So definitely keep people informed on how that's mm-hmm. going. I am. You can go to my website. You can go to truecrimeirl.com. Click on the menu where it says the Isaiah Project. And if you want more information about his story, you can get it there. So, And then, moving on, the corn rake murder. Yes. We all know about that. Okay, one second. Lucas! Oh, there he is. Lukey! <laughs> you guys ready for another one? You guys. Okay. Um, can I have a glass of Chardonnay? Me or too. wait, no. do you have Cabernet? Don't worry, Chardonnay's good. We don't, I don't think. Okay. It's, we'll do it says it on the menu. Loud, I'll do Chardonnay. Chardonnay. It's kind of funny. I'm talking loud because my headphones are <laughs> Do you have Chardonnay? Do you have Chardonnay? Can I get a bathroom? Do you have some over there? I mean, you have some. No, I don't have it. Who's got Chardonnay? These dang headphones. What do you guys know about the corn rake murder? Did you follow the case? Um, Yeah. Salsa wants to say something. I remember the day it happened. Oh, because we were the the day after it happened was a, was a Sunday, I believe, and we were at a tournament in, at U and I for basketball, and so people were talking about it and how heartbroken they were because they knew the person. I didn't know, although I recognize her. Mm-hmm. I see pictures. Mm-hmm. I recognize her. Um, but yeah, I remember. I remember the day after it happened that the news had come out, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, they were pretty well known. Todd and Amy Mullis in our community, they knew everyone. They had lived here a long time. They were farmers, hog farmers, right in our area. She worked at the hospital mm-hmm. here, so a lot of people knew them. I, I knew nurses who worked with her, yeah. and that's about the extent. I didn't. Yeah. I, I'd seen them around. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that personally. Well, from all accounts, from people I have talked to, they had a tumultuous relationship. That's a fact. That was in the trial. Kind of like Joe and I. Yeah, yeah. just like you two. Yeah. yeah. It's a real back and forth. It is. <laughs> Up and down. Roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. <laughs> what is Joe controlling like Todd was? Is, does he have a temp- um, temper? You should see his temper. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Don't even get Joe? me started. Yeah. Joe yeah. flipped a table over the other. Oh my yeah. god! I could he, totally see that. He lost an explosion. Real housewife style. <laughs> yeah. Thank Joe, you. Joe Smash. Yeah. You don't. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Well, probably because you had so many affairs on him. My wife. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Yeah. Stop cheating. I'd really appreciate it if you would. Salsa's looking at you like. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it more being like, you started drinking a new beer. What the hell? What the hell? I'm drinking the same. What, this beer wasn't good enough for you? No. We had an agreement. <laughs> but all joking aside, yes. that's how it was. Todd was, you know, had Amy on a very short leash by all accounts. Um, I've not heard anything good from people who knew them. Like, 
about Todd, really. He had a temper. He was cold as ice, from what I hear. And if you, I've watched the whole trial online, and yes. I can't believe he took the stand because he was caught in so many lies. Like, I watched the whole thing. It's fascinating to watch. Bad idea, really, for him to take the stand, but good for the prosecution because there were a lot of holes in his story. And his and Tristan, his son's story, were a lot different. So, so what happened? It was a weekend day. Todd, Amy, and Tristan, the son, they were out, like, working on the barn. They had a new litter of baby pigs. They were working t- on the barns, getting ready for those. And Amy goes into another barn, long story short. And Todd's story is that she was impaled. She must have fallen on this corn rake. And it went straight through her back. Two times. At least. At least. Maybe three. So, Yes. So I interviewed Travis Hemseth, deputy sheriff and the lead investigator on this case. So the murder happened at about noon that day. Travis came on his shift about 5 p.m. So that's when he started. And, um, you know, a lot of people in the community thought at first, oh, it was this tragic farming accident. That's what you were hearing. Like everyone was like, oh, that's so horrible. And they believed that. But investigators right off the bat knew that was bullshit like they i didn't realize that until i talked to him but they knew very quickly the autopsy was the very next day in ankeny iowa and it was like evident immediately first of all that there was a struggle before like she didn't just fall on a corn rake she had abrasions on her hands her knees her face she had been hit like she had bruises and stuff that we're not consistent with just falling backwards onto a corn rake. And then, like you said, salsa, <laughs> the next thing was that corn rake had, I think, four tines. There were six puncture wounds in her body. So the coroner or the the pathologist, whatever, she immediately was like, you do not fall on a corn rake. Get up, fall on it again get up and maybe even fall on it again that doesn't happen so additionally she was well, found i can't imagine i mean i don't have experience with the corn rake and <laughs> yeah. so i don't know how sharp that i mean I've, 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 I've seen it you know sharp but yeah. to that point okay so i could see like if you fell mm-hmm. what it could do but like if you did that then you would actually get up enough mm-hmm. to be able to fall and create similar type of in another spot kind of thing yep. you know yeah. where another part of that were you going to say something no i was just he was just reenacting yeah. reenacting another part so let's say the corn rake was on the ground or something sticking up and she was reaching for that animal carrier and fell backwards okay that's not how she was found she was found on her hands and knees kind of in the fetal position facing down with her back facing up and the corn rake in her back. That's how Todd and Tristan said she was found. How do you fall on a corn rake And then backwards? be like that. Yeah. That's more like a defensive yes. position. Yes. Like you're trying to protect your body or yourself from getting... Or even if you got hit that many times, that then after that you somehow managed to get yourself turned around mm-hmm. in that position. I can that's assume... A, you, that's a possibility. Yeah. I can but I mean, that would be... Kind of, I can't imagine you... You'd be so far into what had just happened mm-hmm. that you that you would get yourself to right, that. right. It just does not add up, no. and so investigators realized that immediately. Yeah, Travis said that he knew instantly that right. that was not. Did they have Did they have cameras or anything <laughs> on the farm? Okay, they did. I, did do you they? know this? No. Or, no, oh I my gosh. Asking. It's so funny you should ask. They did. They had cameras. Yeah. It was on, was it 2020 or was it 48 hours? Dateline or something. Dateline. They had the whole thing thing on there. And that was was one of the things, the cameras weren't working. I know. They had cameras all over the farm. They actually had a camera that pointed directly to the red barn where Amy died. But funny enough, the cameras worked fine. All the time until the morning of her murder, that one camera, only that one camera, pointing towards the barn, it was disabled. It was like in the house or something. Yeah. And 
And it, but it started working again the next day. So that window of time wasn't so recorded. Okay. That's a kind of a weird coincidence. Todd would say that it it was those darn farm cats that must have knocked it over. <laughs> That's a weird coincidence. So that was another thing not in his favor. And then there's the internet search. And this is something I didn't talk about for the Jerry Burns case when we were talking about that earlier. Internet search is always damning in these cases. Like, thank God for people who know how to get into those computers and look at that stuff. So... Computer forensics. Yeah. That's a really cool thing because nothing's ever deleted forever. It's not. No. It's no. not. And Travis Hemsath. Incognito is, mode is not really. It's not no, really incognito. It's not really private. Nothing. It's not private. No. But Travis Hemsath is the one who did all of that. And there were like 700 pages of searches. He actually had to give Google a search warrant for all of it. So he did that. He came back with. Specific searches to Todd's Gmail, so it, we know it was him. It was on his iPad, and he had searched for things like killing your cheating spouse. What did they do with kill women who cheated in the in the ancient times? Like, where are vital organs located in the body? How do bodies float? And blah blah blah. Like there were. A lot of things going on, and that was from like a year before. Wow. And he was looking up vital organs in the body uh, just a couple days before Amy's murder. And so that's very telling, I think. So, yep. I just don't know how he thought he would get away with this. I don't know. It seems like such a hokey and concocted way of murdering somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, he would. Man, you would think if you you have this big plan knowing everything out there that could find you, you would find a better way to do this. Right. Well, they lived on a farm with lots of machinery and high places and things. Do you think that there had been a better way than a corn? Like an auger? I mean, like that would have been a total, could have been seen as a total accident. Yes. You know, like I was... Not paying attention, or like I didn't see her, or she was, you know, whatever. Yeah, I just feel like that. Yeah, you're right. I just, especially with the fact that he must some somehow he must have gotten nervous or something, pulled it out, and then yeah. re stabbed her or whatever. Like yes. you just think that had to have been he, but didn't really think about that. Mm-hmm. Very, very. Yeah, hard. like <laughs> come on. How about an auger? Stuff like that happens all the time. There's so many farming accidents that are common. Grain bin. Grain you know, bin. Going to the you grain know. bin. Yep. This is easy for us to talk about and plot because right. we've talked about so many other murders and stuff. But I yeah. just see so many holes in this story. Well, and we yeah. live in they, Iowa where there's yeah. lots of farm accidents. Yeah. You know, in the summer and the fall. And totally. You hear farming lots of things. They raise hogs. I mean, the those sewage pits you know how many people die just because they accidentally fall in a sewage pit and they yeah. just become they're overcome yeah i mean yeah yeah corn rake is not one of the most common farm injuries first choice but before. farming is one of the most dangerous careers it's very dangerous and i'm not agricultural at all that was the first time i had heard of a corn rake me too I still don't know what one looks like. It's and like a pitchfork. It's like a pitchfork, but curled. It's curled like, on an, the end. like an L shape kind okay. of. Okay. 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 Kind of like a mix between a uh, between a uh, pitchfork and like a mm-hmm. like, like a, a garden, like a garden, like a garden rake, rake, rake that yeah. you would use. Okay. Okay. One of those. okay. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, but funny thing about that. So Amy was wearing a t-shirt, a sweatshirt. And a thick Carhartt coat. So thinking how thick that canvas material is in a Carhartt, it would be, I mean, that is very protective. Mm -hmm. It it would take a lot of force with that corn rake to hit down and go through the body. Not just through the, you know, through the Carhartt, through the sweatshirt, through all those layers. Plus through her skin, through her bone into her organs because it punctured several organs. That was what was fatal. So, um, yeah. She bled out. She bled in, I think, kind of like they filled up. Yeah. 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 So So, I'm assuming lung? Lung and um, 
That's a good question. I don't uh, know. Yeah, she's I on know. her back, the liver be in front. That's true. So it'd probably more like kidney, kidneys. Yeah, oh, kidney okay. and lungs. What about yeah. heart? Maybe I don't uh, know. Heart's pretty yeah, far in front. Yeah. front. yeah. Hey, I've done human anatomy. This is That's like, this right. is great. We can and talk. So right. And so did Todd. So did Todd. He looked that up. So yeah, he did. Huh. But. Yeah, that's just. Do you think he ever dissected a pig on his farm to Ooh. look at the ah to like to, the, try, to try to find the organs or killed a pig with a, a corn rake? Corn rake? <laughs> I wonder. I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, so trial run? Yeah. You never know. I don't know that I'd want to mess with a big pig with a corn rake. I don't no, I'd probably just know. piss it off. Yeah, that would make a pig off of it. I wouldn't do it. Skin's a little thicker than. So he got a life sentence as well. Is there an appeal or anything going on with that? There was. There was. I don't know what happened. I think. Do you know what I think he was denied. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. I yeah. Too, I just. That he was it denied. just came out. I don't know. A couple weeks ago, I yeah. said to Joe that it came out, and I think it was denied that the they that the judge said there is enough evidence against you, and and that he felt like the trial was what it needed to be to prove it. And I agree. So I with think that. they. I think they denied it. Yeah. Like I don't know the exact. It was just recently, like I said, January. The, it looks like maybe. The the bad thing is the kids. I know. I feel really bad for the kids because they lost their mom and their dad. I think they're currently living with Amy's family. I think locally or somewhere else. I think. Oh, is it area? Okay. Okay. I mean, that yeah, to lose both parents at once like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's gotta be. I know. Now, was there like were there other suspects, or was it just like accident versus? They brought some of that in. So she had had several affairs, but they looked into those people. Jerry Fraser, who helped on their farm a little bit, was her most recent affair. But Travis Hemseth said in my interview with him, he was ruled out. They like. He had an, a very solid alibi. They looked at the GPS stuff on his phone oh, sure. to know where he was. And he just, it wasn't wasn't a thing. So, okay. yeah. Oh, but Jerry Burns is working on an appeal. His appellate attorney is Kathleen Zellner from Making a Murderer, who is Stephen Avery's mm-hmm. appeal attorney. So Really? I'm surprised she's taking that case. I don't know the latest details, but... That'll be something that's interesting to follow. So, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. obviously a, a high-profile attorney is going to take something because they see holes in something. Right. They see where things could be exploited. Yeah. Are they, or is it another Netflix? Yeah, maybe. That would be interesting. Netflix limited series. Yep. But according to Nick Maybanks, the Lydon County attorney who was the prosecutor on the case, he was just like, Mic drop, we've got this. There's no holes in this case. And he was so thorough. He did such a great job on the Jerry Burns or the Michelle Martinko case. So I don't think they're going to be able to find anything to appeal. I don't yeah. know. Well, yeah. I mean, so, I, he's yeah. he's trying to hedge his bets. And yeah. He's trying to. Sure. And, and, and bringing not? somebody like that high profile in mm-hmm. to see if there is. Someone who could maybe poke some kind of yeah. doubt. Right. Mm-hmm. So if the white down. glove fits. <laughs> if yeah. if the glove fit, don't fit, you got to quit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, so we talked about Jerry Burns from Manchester, Isaiah Sweet from Manchester, Todd and Amy Mullis from right outside of Manchester. Do you guys know of any other like interesting cases? I know there are a few. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. I hope there are no more around now, here you know, to for talk about. Being the small community that we are, mm-hmm. it is kind of weird. It is. It mm-hmm. is. Like such a safe little bubble, but like very high profile yep. cases have come out of this little town. Yep. Down in Ryan. Oh, there was a, okay. a woman, I believe, shot her yes. husband. Yes. Yes. I knew, um, I know about that. That's been, that's been years. Mm-hmm. And then in between all of this stuff happening, there was, uh, I don't know the name, but yeah. there was a son that killed his father by cutting out his pacemaker. What? Uh, did he die? Oh, yeah, he might not have died. Maybe he, he didn't die. Be. Wow. Maybe he didn't die. 
But still, that <laughs> is crime. brutal. Weird that crime. is graphic. A, well, he was trying to do it with a like a pocket knife, I wasn't don't he? Know. It doesn't take much. It's, I mean, it's, it's right, right there. Right there. Right there. I know it's a pacemaker. Sometimes if like, yeah. Yeah. It's you can like, almost pop It's like out. in The Mummy where they're trying to like, <laughs> get, oh those, uh, get those still, the scarabs. beetles out of them. Oh, scarab beetles, yes. 2000, April 2009. Oh my god! And he didn't die, right? Um, that's a that's a graphic, brutal crime. Wow, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, there's got to be one reason why this brewery is haunted. I mean, <laughs> right? You know, allegedly, yeah. you know, I want to know more about if we, if we went back in history, just attempt it. Do you think there would be more? That's a thing. I I want to look into that more. I wanted to for this season. I wanted some of the haunted history. I did a little bit about the history of the town, but like I couldn't find any like good murder ghost stories. But there've got to be some because this town has a big. Hi- it's been around for a long time. It was the underground settled tunnels, a long time. Like right. from, I mean, well, just and the, kinda... the ghost at Coffin's Grove was that was that a murder? Or There's a just... ghost in from Coffin's Grove. Oh, yes. Why is this house? the first time I'm hearing about this? I... I don't know if this is kind of what it is, but I feel like it was one of the the kids, one of the daughters, I believe, of the, the first settlers, the people that owned that, I believe fell into the stream, the, the river, whatever out there and okay. died. Oh, okay. my is that gosh. What it was? I, I'm pretty sure. They used okay. to teach this in fifth grade history, and I, Did they? I can't remember. The, it's been a few years since okay. they've done that, but yeah. that, that was one of the things. Karen Curley might know a little bit better. Okay. Oh, yes. That wow. was near our old yeah. acreage. When mm-hmm. we moved here, I was like, this is so cool. This area is called Coffins Grove, and I was like, I bet there it's because there were so many coffins and like yeah, t- just tuberculosis and <laughs> all, all that stuff. But it wasn't Black that good of a story. It was just <laughs> it because was the their last name was Coffin. What a morbid last name! But so, do you guys feel safe in this town? I do. For I do. The most yeah. part. I, do. I felt safer before I started covering these cases. Right. <laughs> but, right. Yeah. No, I do. I do. And, and, but you know, even being in a little town, kind of like what you say, we still lock our doors Good. at night, you know. Well, and except for the burn, the Martinko case, mm-hmm. I they're think all like, they're all, they're all, there's like a family relation right. yeah. or something and like that. Not yeah. random. It's not yeah. random that this, there's no, that these things have happened. Yeah. Except, like you said, at Vartenko, but that mm. had been so long ago that right. I'm not sure that that really yeah. makes me feel. And that was right. in Cedar Rapids, too. Like, yep. there's kind yep. of that distance yep. between, but... Yeah. You don't hear of a lot of break-ins in this town. No, you don't. don't. No. 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 No, not really. No. Usually it's, like, cars or something like that, mm-hmm. and it's kids being kids. Yeah. Right. You know, things like that, but no, no, no. You know, it'd be interesting to talk to some of the people that we know, and some of the history... You know, yeah. like Jay. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. He knows a lot of history here. Yes. I don't know if there's anything more yeah. in the past that that mm-hmm. we just haven't dug up yet or what. Yeah, yeah. Some all of these, these old historic houses in this town, like you drive by them, I'm like, that looks like it should have. Like, is a your house haunted? Ours is old. Okay. Yeah. But built in the haunted. 1860s? Oh, yeah. Right. That's cool. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that went on. I guy kind of got swept under the carpet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Sure. So... This was called the Manchester Mysteries because of all these cases in Manchester. I'm wrapping up the season now. We're done. I think we've talked about pretty much everything there is to talk about. Regardless of all these crimes, I still feel safe in Manchester, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I do still say lock your doors at night. Right. So, right. <laughs> What are you thinking about for next season? Next season, I'm going back to my old format. I'm going to do some just some interesting cases, just one episode, one case per episode. I'm going to go back to that. I kind of missed doing that. I wanted to talk more about these deep dives, but I really like doing one case a week, just totally separate cases. Uh, So I'll start that soon. And well, thank you guys for coming and talking about Manchester and this its fun. Yeah. crimes and stuff like that. I've enjoyed talking to you guys. You had a lot of good information. You know, but... I'm sure there's bodies out there yet to be found. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, I'm sure that grove there's... is yet to be fully explored. Oh, and all those coffins. <laughs> and all oh, yeah. Oh. All those coffins, yeah. yes. <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you guys. And um, you can hear Joe and Kevin and I 
where we do shows every um, live shows the first Thursday and the first Friday of every month. So we go to Riverbend here in Manchester and Oso oh Good Winery in Dyersville. So I hope you guys come out to some of our shows and and we just did one at the uh, Library and Independence. That was great. That was it was really it good. was really good. Yeah, it was a different crowd and um, like a really like interested crowd like an intellectual crowd a lot of people who had read a lot of true yeah. crime books that yeah. was cool and yeah. so yeah. the people around here are not I yes the people around here are great I'm just saying it was way different than a bar atmosphere we, we, we travel yes it was a library and salsa de la rosa maybe we'll do something at your library one of these days so. maybe so yeah and what was that book you were talking about again uh just mercy just mercy okay i have to read that okay thank you guys for listening until next time let's say it together lock, lock your doors, doors people bye-bye <laughs> so guys thank you so much for listening to season two of true crime irl the Manchester Mysteries. We're wrapping it up now. And as I said a little bit ago, as you heard in my conversation with my friends there, I am going back to my old format where I'm going to be discussing one independent case every week. No deep dives coming up for season three. So I hope you enjoyed these stories out of Manchester, Iowa. There's a lot of high profile stories that have come out of this small community and they're just fascinating. And I just really wanted to share those from my perspective for season two. So I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, lock your doors, people. Bye-bye. True Crime IRL is written, produced, and hosted by Kelly Barron's Brink. Please subscribe to True Crime IRL wherever you get your podcasts and consider leaving a five-star review. Go to truecrimeirl.com for more information. Support the show by becoming a Patreon donor. Go to patreon.com slash truecrimeirlpodcast. You can also support the show by leaving a tip in the TCIRL tip jar. Go to truecrimeirl.com and click on the donate button. Or buy merch in the TCIRL merch shop. truecrimeirl.com slash merch. Watch True Crime IRL on YouTube. YouTube at youtube.com slash kellybrinktv. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at truecrimeirl, all one word. True Crime IRL theme music is produced by the captain at True Crime Garage. 